Welcome to Security Talks Weekly, the audio show that explores the intersections between cybersecurity, digitalization, and education. I'm your host, Alexandre Manau, and this podcast is brought to you by the Swiss Cyber Institute, the human-centric cybersecurity education center and digital community in Switzerland. In this episode, we're going to talk about designing human-centered cybersecurity. Digitalization is already universal. The possibilities seem endless, and so are the possible pitfalls for people. It has never been so important to explore and combine cybersecurity with innovation, focusing on the complex relationship of technology and people. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about with today's guest, Tom Hoffman. He's the CISO and Data Protection Officer at Eniva, an energy services company based in Switzerland. Tom, thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much, Alexandre. Um, yeah, pretty glad to be here and to talk about this. So, Tom, can you give our audience a little bit of an introduction on who you are? Sure. So I've been in this field for about 20 years now. Um, I started in, uh, in Germany. I did vocational school as an IT engineer technician. And then I joined the company doing service desk work, help desk. Um, and from there, I took over more and more parts of the infrastructure. We started as a small team, but over the time, we grew into a large company with about close to 4,000 people around the globe. And I, yeah, I dug more and more into the whole security part from an infrastructure perspective and ventured around the world doing security projects in, in Japan. I did projects in Shanghai up to the Finnish Polar Circle doing some encryption stuff for um, a supplier of the Finnish military. And about 10 years ago, I, I switched sides from an internal perspective to the consulting part. And for the last decade, I consulted clients, mostly from Switzerland, multinational companies in the pharma sector, but also in critical infrastructure. And from there, this year, I switched over to the current position as a chief information security officer at ENIWA. And we are a power and utilities company. So basically, I am reporting to our CEO about securing our water plants, our drinking water supply, gas, etc. And over the last 20 years, I've seen a lot of technology stuff, and I've seen this immense focus on tech and policies like information security management systems, ISO standards, etc. But we see today it doesn't really work. I mean, we still have this ransomware pandemic all around the globe. And, and this is where I started to get interested in why is it that technology itself is not sufficient to address the problem? And also, why are engineers having such a hard time to understand these complex problems that are at the intersection of humans, society, and technology? So yeah, and this is why I started a master thesis and the research program at the Hasselblatt Institute in Germany, working on human-centered design, design thinking, wicked problems in the context of cybersecurity. That all sounds really exciting, Tom, and I can see that you're very passionate about the topic. 
I was having a look at one of your most recent talks where you approached this super interesting concept of human-centered security. How is this different from the traditional model of security that we're already used to? So right now, today, I mean, we're really talking about antivirus, about malware protection. If we look at organizations, we have a strong focus on, on governance, on policies and processes. So all of this really focus on the technical part. But what we really see, I mean, people are still clicking on links. People still use shadow IT, so unofficial IT that they're deploying on their own. And the question really is, why is that? And this is where the, the true human-centered security comes into the game. We say, well, look, we need a different view. We need different understanding of the problems we are facing. We are not facing technology problems. We are really facing problems that really hit the socio-technical part, which means where people and technology come together. And right now, we're totally neglecting people and their needs. We're not talking about machines and robots. People are stressed. People are frustrated. If we see, for example, the CEO fraud, when people get intimidated um, by an impersonator saying, well, I'm your CEO and you need to transfer that money. This really works. And this really works because we can exploit these organizational uh, mishaps. We're totally neglecting this factor that we have people. And this is where I started to get interested in really currently conducting an, an international research project to really find out, is this really true? And what can we do about it? Because actually this is not something new. Introducing new technology and sort of failing is something that happened already about 80, 90 years ago. And science knows about that since then, but we barely teach that when it comes to security. As you said, a lot of people think of cybersecurity in terms of antivirus or malwares, but they don't necessarily think of it in practical terms on how it impacts their daily lives. I imagine that must be on the forefront of human-centered security. Yeah, and I think that's, that's really where also the, the security, the IT departments really have to take a different stance because today they're purely looking at it from a, a tech perspective. Like they say, okay, we have this vulnerability, um, we have this ransomware gang, they are exploiting the vulnerability and hacking our system. So they're really just focusing on the tech part, but they totally forget to say, well, maybe the problem itself is not that clear. Maybe we should really first start to understand the problem. And for that, we really need to get the people on board. If I do workshops at my company, I don't do the workshops just with IT people or just with the security people. I literally have people from the front desk because they are the ones who are getting the phishing calls. I have people from HR because we really need that diversity to really just get a basic understanding of the problem. For example, ransomware is such a big thing right now. And everyone talks about it. And, and IT people are always like, well, we have to disable a certain feature in Microsoft Office and then we are safe. 
But on the other hand, we have, for example, an HR department. Their only job is to open possibly malicious documents from strangers simply because this is what HR does. They get an application from someone they don't know. They have to open it. And so it doesn't really help them that we say uh, from a security perspective, well, no, no, you're not allowed to open any documents anymore. So we really need to get them on board. We really need to change our way we approach security in an organization. So, Tom, you're talking about how all this technology affects the lives of regular people. But it's something that those who develop security solutions also must keep in mind. They need to understand that people are going to make mistakes. They're going to compromise security for convenience at times or for speed. What is it exactly that we need to shift in the minds of the experts developing security solutions to take that into account? I think that's a pretty good point you're mentioning here. And I think it's not only the developers of such solutions, but also the managers and the responsible persons in the organizations. First thing is most of them are trained engineers. And engineers are always like, okay, this is my problem. I can dissect it and I can work towards a solution. This is a very nice engineering way to look at it. However, the the problem we are facing here with the people, with this complex world, this is more of a, a wicked problem. Um, you can barely describe every use case. You can barely describe the problem itself. So I think this is the first main takeaway for the engineers. We need to teach these people that there are certain problems that can never be solved, that are not to be engineered, um, just like, for example, the climate change. We see the extremes, we see the, the, the scientific reports, but still nothing happens because it's not an easy to solve problem. You have like stakeholders, you have people. And this is, I think, the first important thing. The type of problem is fundamentally different than what engineers are used to. And I would also say the second part is when we are engineering and designing these solutions, Right now, this happens in some sort of an isolated lab environment. They're sitting there coding their solutions, but they barely see what this means in day-to-day work. Um, For example, phishing emails, like faked emails, this has been technically solved about 20 years ago. We have the pretty good privacy PGB encryption, but simply because it is so complicated for people to use, no one does it. Not even organizations really use this technology to write their emails. So I think this is the second part that the people who are designing, engineering, developing, they really need to get out and build empathy for the people they are designing their solutions for. I think empathy is actually a key word in that, isn't it? Really? Yes, it is. You mentioned earlier that you try to implement that in the company you're working at as part of the trainings. Can you share a bit how that process was? Did you find many advantages by the end of it? Totally. I mean, just when I started, um, I, I literally, I told my boss, our CEO, look, I don't want to sit at my desk and just writing some theoretic policies okay. and then enforce it onto people. So I literally still spent my time 
with the people, listening to them, what they have to say. And for example, with our front desk people, it has been amazing because they already reported some serious uh, spear phishing attacks on our sea uh, level. So people not only sending emails, but they were literally going through the commercial register, looking up the names and private addresses of our sea level spoofing telephone numbers and literally calling in German while they were sending emails. And that was really well done. But they were some sort of like, hey, okay, I know there's Tom. I know we can trust him. We can talk to him because so many times in organizations also like people are scared to like, oh, if I do something wrong, I get punished. And this is something I like, hey, hey guys, we are in this together. Um, I am listening to you. I'm here for you. And this really created some, yeah, some mutual trust, some understanding like, hey, what is it like to work at the front desk to get all these calls, having people rushing in to see the pressure, the stress? Maybe a second example is our people like literally are outside digging up the streets and laying like large electricity cables in the ground. So the normal phishing training is like, oh, if you receive an email, you need to get your mouse and you hover over that link. And then you have to look at the link and see if it is some sort of malicious. And these people, they told me like, Tom, you know, we don't even have a laptop or a mouse. We are like literally five meter under the earth digging holes. We need something different because for us, we just have a smartphone. We are under pressure. We have to click. So this is the real valuable insight. I can do a simple training and say fire and forget. So this is the training. This is the standard. I applied, but there will be no real value because it totally misses the daily life of these people. Wow, that's such an interesting example. We often don't put faces to the people when we usually think about cybersecurity. We have in mind this standard approach with certain steps that one should take. But now that you're mentioning it, I'm imagining myself six meters under the ground, trying to do something similar. Just the fact that they remember cybersecurity in the first place is already impressive, to be honest. Exactly. And I mean, the same thing is, for example, I do some some work for NGOs, um, some pro bono work also for journalists. And it's really different. Um, I mean, you're a journalist yourself. When I talk to them, they have completely different requirements, um, protecting their sources, um, doing research and investigations, etc. So yeah, as you said, it, you really need to give a face to the person, you really need to get that empathy to understand the people and not just put out like, oh, yeah, I bought a new antivirus software. This is it. Now we are safe. This simply doesn't work. And that's all a part of the research you're putting together for a master's. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's, it's a larger research project for a master thesis. But I was explicitly interested in trying to understand the social impacts on organizations, uh, cybersecurity and compliance, mainly during the COVID-19 pandemic as some sort of a focal lens. You know, when everyone went to home office, um, every one of us got hit by the pandemic. It was like a, a really interesting example because 
your job didn't really change. You needed a bit more technology, like let's say bandwidth, etc. But this was all good. But on the other hand, we had these extreme social pressure factors like, oh, everyone is at home now. I have to call my client, but they are, for example, using a different tool. Will I breach or violate my cybersecurity guidelines to make that call with the client? This was the initial idea, like really getting to understand the social aspects when it comes to compliance. And so I set up a research project. I did in total 20 interviews with international organizations from military to um, international leading research institutes to power and utilities to financial institutes, like really large organizations. And I talked to cybersecurity people, but I also talked to the business people. And it was really interesting because everyone said on the cyber part, yes, we do have compliance. Oh, we are pretty good with our policies. We don't really have any issues. And every time I talk to the business person, they're like, oh, just forget it. It doesn't really meet our requirements. So every organization I talked to, even military, they had shadow IT. People built their own IT. They used their own smartphones. They used WhatsApp, etc., just to work around the limitations of the organizations and actually get the job done. So this was really interesting. It, it is not that people don't know security. It is not that they are not aware. They all had cybersecurity trainings, but they all said, well, look, Tom, what else can we do? My boss wants me, for example, to make the numbers, to make the sales call. So they explicitly ignored the facts. And the tighter the security controls, the technical controls have been on the other end. So when the security department says, we monitor every outgoing email, so you cannot forward it to your Google Mail account, etc. People told me, well, you know, we completely switched to our own infrastructure. We used private smartphones, private tablets, and we completely circumvented cybersecurity because it is a pure blocker and no one in our organization really cares about it. And this is like the main thing of the research. That's a really interesting insight. Sometimes we think that by adding more layers and extra security and this and that, we're actually making the process more secure, but actually we're just intimidating everyone that need to get their job done. Either they're, they're thinking about making a business call or they're just research information as fast as possible. As you say, maybe it's time that if you think about humans in the first place, is let's really focus on how we can make this as simple as possible for the people that are using it. And then those steps, obviously, the most important ones that will guarantee at least some good level of safety. Exactly. And also really, again, building that empathy. Because let's put it like this, the cybersecurity persons, they are just into cybersecurity. Their main focus is security. But they have to think about the HR department, as mentioned before. HR is not here to do security. Their job is to hire new people, to have trustworthy conversations. Or if we look at the sales team, the sales team is mostly paid by their numbers. We really have to understand if they don't make their numbers, they're not getting paid. So they're not interested in cybersecurity if it blocks them from doing their numbers. 
So this is really the point, really this understanding and saying, well, there's a human on the other end and they have a different view to what security people have. So Tom, at the end of the day, where do these human-centered solutions need to come from? Well, in short, I would really say it needs to come from the management or the so-called leadership. I mean, we see design thinking and innovation. It's almost everywhere. But the problem really is barely any organization lives up to that. And we now finally have to make that call and really say, well, we enforce empathy, um, the collaboration between teams, and we really give the people the capability, the resources to do so. We already have a lot of people in the organizations, Um, many people I met during my consultancy years, but we now really need to get that understanding. The Tayloristic top-down silo approach is a thing of the past. That was something in the 80s, but it simply doesn't work anymore. And if as a company you want to strive, you need to change that. Awesome. I'll make those resounding words then for our audience to think about as we come to the end of our brilliant talk today. Tom, thank you so much for being here. I certainly learned a lot myself. I'm sure that our listeners as well. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks for joining our conversation today. If you haven't already, subscribe to us in your favorite podcast listening app and get a brand new insightful episode from us every week. This podcast is produced by the Swiss Cyber Institute and hosted by me, Alexandre Maral. The Swiss Cyber Institute is the human-centric cybersecurity education center and digital community in Switzerland. And our guest of today was Tom Hoffman, the CISO and Data Protection Officer at Eniva. If you have any questions regarding what we talked about in our interview, head over to the Swiss Cyber Institute's website and contact us. You'll also find our interview series with security experts as well as some helpful resources. There, we have the Swiss Cyber Academy, which offers the most intensive and up-to-date cybersecurity training courses in the market. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Ciao!